and uh, welcome again to our Sunday online service at, um, here at Ecclesia. And it's, um, it's a privilege and a blessing to actually be, um, to actually have the opportunity to share from God's word. That's a real, real privilege indeed. Um, one that I'm just truly grateful for. And um, praying that, yeah, indeed, this will be a time where we are indeed blessed, even as we do so together. Um, lately, I mean, I've had some headaches, I mean, physical headaches in the last, in the last couple of days or weeks. Someone's giving me the look already. <laughs> like, what are you doing here then? <laughs> no, I've, and I've not done a COVID-19 test though. Um, but each time I talk about it to my wife, she's like, uh, you know, I said, my eyes hurt. And she's told me to go and get my eyes tested. You know, yes, it is that time again where I'm due to have another eye test done. So it's not uh, COVID as such. <laughs> it's not, in fact, it's not COVID at all. <laughs> Let's not even say it's not COVID as such. You know, because I've been putting a whole lot of people at risk here. <clears throat> so just to go and see what further correction needs to be made to my corrective lenses, these ones. All right. Um, but even beyond that, um, it's easy to not pay attention to the focus of our lives in Christ, our spiritual life, and so lose sight of the eventual plan and the, redemp the redemptive plan that God has in store for all who are his. So my hope is that today as we continue in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, it gives us opportunity to bring that purpose of God into sharp focus, the end that we're looking for or that we're hoping for, not just us, but even the word says all of creation is looking forward to into sharp focus. We'll see Paul in this, his corrective, and we've been doing, looking at that for a good while now, um, address the issue of resurrection even further. So rather than live like resurrection is just an optional add-on, like an elective piece of doctrine that just is there at the end, um, we want to stay fixed on the eventual redemption that's preached in the gospel and that is evidenced by the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the promise that that holds for all who are Christ's. We'll see this from, uh, in, in today's section per se, we'll see from Paul's letter that God will raise the dead in Christ. And he will raise the dead in Christ with incorruptible, glorious, powerful, 
spiritual bodies to share in the image of the risen Christ. To share in the image of the risen Christ. So that said, let me just open us in a few minutes of, in a moment of prayer, and then we'll have a look at what we're going to be seeing today from the text. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for, again, for your word. As I stand here this morning, um, I'm dependent on you, Lord. Those are not just words to make this prayer sound <laughs> great. For real, Lord, we're dependent on you. Honestly, we are. Uh, oftentimes, we don't know it. Oftentimes, we take the purpose of your calling into our hands as though we know where you're taking us, as though we know where you're leading us, as though we know what it looks like at the um, unveiling of your plans and your purpose for us, even our calling. Help us, Lord, through this section of Paul's letter to the church at Corinth to see and, as it were, get the right corrective lenses on our sight, on our vision, on our future, on our lives as believers, so that we take hold of what is that good part and no one be able to take from us. Lord, um, guide us even through this letter. It's a, it's a bit of a section today, but then it is your word, and you haven't put it there for nothing. So let this be a blessing to us, even as you lead us through this sermon today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It is a long um, couple of verses today, or it's a long section today, and... Um, there are, we're looking at Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, the first letter, chapter 15, and verses 35 to 50. Um, there are some points there that um, Paul continues to address in this, as I've mentioned already, in this corrective. Um, the letter is one where he's urging the church to grow up to think correctly about um, the things that they have been called to in Christ. And here in this section, this is the fifth in a mini, in a sub-series where we've been looking at the subject of resurrection, the resurrection of Christ. And um, it's not as though the believers... I mean, can you imagine believers do not believe in the resurrection? Otherwise, they would not accept the gospel. They would not believe the gospel at all because it's the basis, for, the basis on which they, they, we receive forgiveness or which they receive forgiveness from sin. And Christ's sacrificial death on the cross and Christ being raised to life as well uh, gives them hope to hold on to. We saw last week that uh, Paul already is telling these believers, guys, you're acting in a manner that, is, that contradicts what you believe. If you're being baptized, what's, what's the baptism for? If you're only going to end up dying, really. 
What are you being baptized for? Why are you being baptized into the death of Christ? For what hope? To rise again? If there's no resurrection, why do it? Well, but he carries on further, even trying to reiterate and reinforce the importance of resurrection. Um, in opening, I talked about you know, corrective lenses, and this section really serves to give a very sharp focus to the primary place. If I shows helps us will help us to see that there's a primary place for resurrection in the gospel, and it affects how we actually live our lives for real. So, in four sections, we'll look at this in kind of four sections: verses 35 to 36, helping the people to see that well, sowing. God's helping people to see that um, God indeed raises um, the dead. And in verse in verses thirty six to thirty eight, sorry, seventy people see that God raises the dead. Um, there's a question that they pose in verse thirty five, verse thirty nine to the first part of verse forty two. Paul just kind of gives further examples to show the creative ability, the creative power of God. God can create all kinds of bodies. And finally, um, from verse 44 to 50, we get to see that God indeed, <clears throat> God indeed does introduce um, the resurrection body, showing that um, there is a resurrection body and talks about it in a bit more detail. So from verse, verse 35, first of all, what's the question? What's the issue? What is the objection that Paul is raising to, that Paul is trying to address with regards to um, the resurrection? Let's read that together. But some man will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? An interesting, I mean, those are the two questions he's trying to address in the rest of this section. An interesting comment that Paul, or an interesting remark that Paul uses there, doubtful. I looked and thought, ah, Paul, this is a bit strong. And we know when, why, where does he actually choose or use this kind of a remark? St. Paul used this in several other places where it looks like he's trying to say to the believers, I've given you the truth to hold on to, but it seems like you've been scammed. You've given up the truth to take hold of something that is not true. And in asking these questions, in asking the questions in verse 35, Paul's kind of reflecting his displeasure that, wow, <laughs> You're asking how the dead raised up and with what body do they come? It's like, why do you want to leave hold of that to hold on to what? You know, it's not clear who's actually influencing the Corinthians to question or doubt their own resurrection because they've taken hold of the fact that Jesus is raised from the dead. But now question arises, how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come? Doubtful, 
And he uses an analogy straight away, verse 36 to 38, to just uh, demonstrate that um, God does raise the dead. It takes sowing something and to die and having it die for a new body to be raised up. Let's look at that together. That which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. Let me read a more readable version. I don't know why I did this. That which what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. This is, uh, I'm reading from the New King James Version. Now. It's not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. It's a very simple agricultural analogy. Um, I, I don't know if the... I'm not, I can't remember what year it is they do this in schools now. Is it year one, year two, or year three? The basic science experiment where they come in with a jam jar with some cotton wool and, 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 you know, and a bean seed inside. That all the teachers say, just bring a jam jar and something. And these kids are carrying their experiment to school proudly and taking it back home. And you know, they put the bean inside the cotton wool and boy, wonders happen. The bean is in the cotton wool. You can't quite see it. But then after a few days, wow, there's a beanstalk coming out the top. And the roots going down into the cotton wool toward the water. It's a simple analogy. And one that these guys will be familiar with. I used that science experiment just in case. Um, not everybody has an allotment here. Can't, can't, probably can't see or tell how these things come about. You know, we just get the corn and the beans and whatever from Sainsbury's, even in tins these days, you know. But it's a simple agricultural analogy. What you plant it is, is, is a seed, and it doesn't come out like what you planted. It comes out with a different body. And um, God gives that grain or whatever you planted, um, a body as it pleased him. It's, um, we're going to see a pattern that Paul's using here um, as we go through 36 to 38 and the next section, verses 39 to 42. Um, let's, let me ask us to just refer quickly. This pattern reflects the creation account. If you, if you listen just now, you hear he gives it a body as it pleased him. While looking at this, I remembered that um, in Genesis chapter 1 in the creation account, verse 11, God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed. Um, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself. So this is all according to God's, God's creation, all according to God saying, let this be according to this way. 
And guess what? Verse 11, at the end of verse 11, um, no, sorry, I beg your pardon. At the end of verse 12, because God not only created those plants on that day, but at the end of verse 12, God saw that it was good. So creation is taking place there according to God's pleasure, but according to God's command, according to what God has instructed, according to what God has spoken. So the point Paul's making here, even analogous beyond just mere planting of seeds and the different kinds of things that you plant is going really going back to see the power of God and demonstrate the power of God in creation, creating things according to their kind. And then <clears throat> going on to verses uh, 39 to 42, several points Paul makes here again. These are just additional illustrations of the vastly different bodies and forms in God's created universe. I found this particularly interesting, just going through um, those verses. I mean, I can read the whole thing, but you know what? I don't know if you ever heard about this creature. The, I can't remember the order of his name now, but the horned spider tail viper. Have you ever heard of that creature? Have you seen it? I tell you, David Attenborough is onto something good in seeing the various forms of bodies that God has created. Do you know that the tongue of a blue whale, just the tongue of a blue whale, weighs as much as an adult elephant. And his heart is the size of a golf caddy. You know them cars that carry, carry people around from, you know, the, the shopping, the, the duty-free shopping to the, to the, to the, to the um, uh, terminals where they board the, the, the airplanes, about four people sitting there. That's the size of the blue whale's heart. Amazing stuff. Amazing creatures you, you just hear about. This one got me. <laughs> the biggest rodent. I'm Nigerian, so I'm thinking rat. The biggest rat or something in that species or groups of animals is big enough to just, if it walks into me, just knock me completely down. Massive, the capybara. Different bodies different creatures, all made according to God's pleasure. There is nothing that is made that was not made without God. I hope you're following the point Paul is making here. The question he's trying to answer, or the question is, the objection he's addressing is the one who's asking, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? These are, I've just given you some examples of the amazing creatures that God has made. Their bodies are amazing. 
Have you ever come across a hammerhead shark? Or a hammerhead worm, an earth worm? That's head is like a hammer, like that. It looks like a, I mean, the thing looks amazing. This um, horned spider tail viper, you know the thing I, I saw about it that's amazing? It lives up, it's in, um, it's in part of, it's in the western part of Iran and lives in the mountainous rocky region. Now, guess what this thing does? How it catches its prey. Lives up in rocks, right? Some bird is flying around, minding his business, looking for something to eat, and he sees what looks like a spider just trying to make for a hole, make for a burrow. And as he goes to get into that thing, what does it know? A venomous viper reaches out, grabs it, <laughs> and pulls it in and has it for dinner instead. And you look at the tail of this viper, man, you, think, you would really think it was a spider because it has a bit of a tail that looks like a spider and scales that make the thing look like a spider's legs and it's crawling away. But it's just a lure to get its prey in. One of the amazing things that God has created, different kinds of bodies. And when you go back to Genesis again, what does it say? In Genesis chapter 1, what does it say? And who is the one doing the creating there? Let me go back there and read it just for that, for that uh, sake. <sighs> and God made um, the beast of the earth. I'm reading Genesis 1.25. According to its kind. Cattle according to its kind. And everything that creeps on the earth according to his kind. And verse 25 says at the end of it, and God saw that it was good. Um, I don't want to overreg the point. But the point of verses 39 to 42 is God is the one who is the creator. He makes all kinds of bodies. He gives bodies as he pleases. It's in his power to do so. There are um, so let, there are also heavenly bodies and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. Do you know that before the days of these modern sat-nav, where people would, I mean, you want to get from here to Scotland, it's a matter of bringing out your phone and tap, tap, tap. Give us your postcode. Tap, tap and you're on your way. <laughs> but God put these things in, put stars in the sky, and people navigated and found their way by following the stars. The Word of God says that he made them for signs, for seasons, and you just, you think, Actually, it's not very far from Satnav. Satnav is just really based on geolocation. So the stars and them things are still where they are, where God's placed them. And people still navigate using geolocation. The earth as God has created it. And we find our way with those things. 
heavenly bodies. God makes them as he pleases. I'm trusting you get the point that Paul's making here. Now, come back to verse 42. Oh, yeah, verse 42. Because it says there is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory. And that's true. I mean, there are stars you look up at in the sky. You can see them. Um, I can't remember any of their names. There's the big ladle. There's, that's the only one I remember. This star constellation where you see some stars in the sky that look like a big ladle. And can you imagine? God has put those things in their places where they are. I hope you're beginning to see the power of God in terms of what God is able to do with regard to re re um, resurrection. But come, let's come back to the point. Now, what is it about these um, bodies? What is it about them? Why is it that Paul is seeming to go the long way around to respond to this question. Just before I answer that other, the first question I asked, what is it about these bodies? Was this a lack of understanding of spiritual truth? Is it that these people just didn't understand that really <laughs> the resurrection does matter? I mean, if, if we're saying Christ rose from the dead, that's important an important and essential part of the gospel. Not just an inconsequential thing that, you know, we can just, yeah, we're born again now, we're believers, and, you know, we just hope and pray, stay safe, as we say these days with this pandemic, until we just kind of manage to survive staying in this world and get to heaven's gate and, ah, touch the, touch the, touch the finish line and get taken in, and that's it. Thank God we made it. Is that it? Does that limit our focus in terms of what our calling is about just to this world, just to being as good as we can in this world? Does it change the focus? Does it change what then becomes important or vital or the vital aspect of what our life is as believers? if we have a warped view of what the resurrection means for us and even our own resurrection. If that is the case, um, if we don't understand some spiritual concept or truth or the promises of God or even the power of God, just like, you know, Paul had a conversation Sorry, yes, not, not Paul. Just like Jesus had a conversation with Nicodemus at night. The guy came to Jesus and, you know, he was beginning to give Jesus some ratings. Man, your ministry, mm, you, you, you really can't be doing these things, you know, except God is with you. Surprising answer. Unexpected that Jesus would go straight to, <laughs> I tell you, except a man is born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. 
what's the focus? About how we're doing here on earth? Or about entering into the kingdom of God? Which is it? And it's vital. It kind of, this issue of the resurrection brings the necessary truth into sharp focus. There's no pride or confidence to be had instead of um, gaining knowledge of Christ. If we don't know about these things, let's not hesitate to ask about them. If this talk about the resurrection seems to be carrying on for long, but what's the importance of it? Which is what Paul is addressing with the Corinthians here. Then, hey, there's no pride in asking like that Philippian jailer. Um, come, tell me what must I do to be saved? Or like the Ethiopian eunuch, trying to understand who the prophet was speaking about and asking um, uh, the, the disciple of Christ, come, tell me, is this guy talking about himself or somebody else? You know, talking to Philip. Um, now, Paul uh, likens the resurrection of the dead, going on to verse 42 now, the latter part, to this, to these various things that God does in creation. He likens the resurrection of the dead to these various things that God does in creation. You see, resurrection or being raised, raising the dead is, is also according to God's creative power. I've told you of a few weird and wonderful creatures, strange creatures indeed. But check it. Creatures you never imagined existed. But you find out, wow, so this exists? <laughs> wow. A hammer-headed worm? Uh, I mean... Crazy creatures, I tell you, that you'll be really amazed to find existed. But resurrection and, the res and giving bodies to the resurrected is also according to the creative and within the creative power of God. Let's look at that from verse 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. Remember that science experiment where the kids take home the jam jar with their bean inside of it? The bean first dies. The seed first dies. It has a kernel in it. It dies and what grows up is different from what's sown. The body is sown in corruption as well. I mean, it's a somber thing now with COVID statistics. Many people are just dying. Many people are dying. It's a very somber topic, a somber subject. Well, it is because that's not the intention or the purpose of God from the beginning. God never intended to put man on this earth so that we just die. Never was his plan. But it came about through sin, entering the world through one man. The body, sown, the body is sown in corruption. Coming back on point, 
about God's creative ability? It is raised in incorruption. The question, the second question they asked was, wow, uh, with what kind of body is, do they come? With what kind of body do they come? Remember in verse 35, what body do they come? The resurrected. Sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. So the body that dies, when you think about it, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was kind of just, as I, as I came here this morning, thinking how it's become customary to say to people, stay safe, you know, stay safe. Try and keep yourself from catching this, this, this disease and dying. Really, is what we're trying to say. Because this body is corruptible. It can be affected by disease. It can die. It's mortal. But it is raised in incorruption. It cannot be corrupted. The body that is raised. What body do they come with? They come with bodies that can not be corrupted. What else about the body? Paul's beginning to answer the question now. What kind of body do they come with? It is sown um, in dishonor. And it is raised in glory. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. Well, dishonor. What's that about? Um, can we stand before God like, yeah, as a believer now? I don't, know if, I don't know if you're like me, and you know you are a child of God because you cry out to God by His Spirit. But you also know the temptations you struggle with. I know the temptations I struggle with. I know, listen, there are many times where I've been reminded, ah, ah is that how you drive? You're a Christian. <laughs> we leave the man alone. Stop trying to cut. Stop trying to overtake him. Leave him. Let him go. He's not going to take the road after him. Road rage, right? Mm. Will I stand before God? Can I stand before God and feel like, yeah, I'm a child of God. And if I were to stand in my own capacity, in my own human natural capacity, would I be able to stand before God in that, in that, in that way? I, I doubt it, strongly doubt it. I wouldn't have the guts to stand before God. I would all the time know, listen, I'm renewed in my inner man, but boy, this flesh is really in the way. It's a, it's a, it's a struggle Paul spent some good time in Romans chapter 7, writing to the Romans, addressing how we struggle with this war within us. Saved, born again, justified, no longer condemned before God. Yet, there is remaining sin in here. Does God judge me or condemn me for that? No, I'm justified. I've been imputed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But I know I'm conflicted within me oftentimes with struggles. So come, it is sown in dishonor, but it is raised in glory. It is raised a glorious body. I wouldn't have that struggle anymore. 
something to look forward to. Indeed, it is. Um, and it is sown in weakness and raised in power. It is sown in weakness and raised in power. Think for a minute. Sown in weakness. Christ at his crucifixion. Pierced in his side. Died. He couldn't be so many places all at once. But resurrected? Boy. The disciples were in doors, locked in, praying. And then Christ appears in their midst, not restricted by space, not restricted by time. He was with the guys in Emmaus, on the road to Emmaus. And then suddenly they're thinking, "Wow, this must be, and Jesus is gone from their midst. Such power, right? It is raised in power. Now it is also, verse 44, sown a natural body, but it is raised a spiritual body. It is sown a natural body, but it is raised a spiritual body. This is interesting. Natural, just like in nature, there are things we can see. We can see, I can see other human beings right here in this room with me. Um, I can see things, walls, lights, floor. Those are things that are just part of nature. But it is raised a spiritual body. Let's, this, the, only, the thing I just want to clarify here is that the fact that Christ was resurrected and um, present with the, with, the, with, the, with the disciples, raised from the dead, doesn't make him some kind, of, some kind of ethereal being who you can't touch, can't feel, doesn't, wouldn't, you know, can't handle stuff physically. But he was a, he was a, he's a spiritual being. That, let's not get the two confused. Natural, spiritual, doesn't mean physical, non-physical. Let me leave it at that. Because... Um, there are those who believe out there that spiritual means not physical. And therefore, the Christ who appeared at resurrection was just, you know, a manifestation just for the sake of showing the disciples that Jesus rose from the dead and then went back into non-physical form. No, he's a spiritual being as well. So God raises up. God has the power in resurrection to create and bring us into or to raise the dead giving us incorruptible glorious powerful spiritual bodies that's how the bodies are that are raised up how the dead are raised up now um, quickly Moving on to the rest, to the, to the last section now from verse 45 to 50. And so it is written, the first man Adam became a living being and the last Adam a life-giving spirit. 
Look at that question again in verse 35. Paul is answering the question a bit more specifically. <clears throat> Some will say, how are the dead raised up? You see, um, Adam became a living being. We read about that in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. So that Adam was created with a natural body. God formed that body of the dust of the earth, breathed life into it, or breathed, breathed his spirit into it, and the man became a living being, both a body and a soul. But we read here that um, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Note something about Adam, this Adam that Paul refers to here. He was created... This is a reference to Adam before the fall. Before this man failed that test that he had to go, that he, that he went through in the garden. Good in every way. Made pleasing to God as he was. So that the intention of God really is to bring this man even and keep this man even in fellowship with himself. But looking at um, the last Adam, we see that here the last Adam is Jesus Christ. The first man, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the, na but the natural, and afterward, the spiritual. There's a lot going on here in what Paul is explaining. And um, it really gives, it forms the foundation and the basis of what Paul wants to drive home about the resurrection. The point is this. The natural man, Adam, we all are already taking part of that. We all are already born have a body and a soul. We all are already also partaking in what Adam um, experienced. We're all partaking in death. However, in Christ, there's a difference. Christ is resurrected. Christ is resurrected, raised from the dead, a spiritual body he has, a spiritual man as well, and the resurrection and the life, the one that all who believe in him hold on to for one, being justified in God's presence, being forgiven of our sins and repent, in repent, repenting and being forgiven of our sins, being adopted as children of God. Now, if that's where it stops, well, it still leaves us where we are, natural men, struggling with sin, remaining sin in these natural bodies. But a promise remains of, of God to bring all who have placed their trust in Jesus Christ to become like Jesus Christ in his resurrection.
Now, Christ suffered death just like men do, just like we all do. Uh, if Jesus remains for another couple of hundred years, we would all experience death. But then, is that such uh, a terminal thing? Is that it? Would that be the only thing we get to gain for being in Christ? Just being forgiven, but yet remaining in sin, yet remaining in this nature. Um, we find now that Paul addresses the point that in Christ, we will bear the image of Jesus Christ as well. We will receive spiritual bodies in resurrection. We will receive spiritual bodies in resurrection. We will bear the image of Christ's body that is fit for heaven. Again, the, 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 the whole point of Paul giving the various kinds of examples of the possible bodies that God can create, adapted for different purposes in all the earth, just shows it is not beyond God to also give us bodies, even raising from, dead, from the dead those who die in Christ, giving us bodies fitted for dwelling with him, sharing in his glory, sharing in the nature of Christ, sharing in his inheritance in God's presence forever. This is God's doing. And like the, the scripture says, it is, it is marvelous in our eyes. It's not something that we do, but it's something that God does. Trusting and hoping in the resurrection. Otherwise, let me ask a question. And I've asked the question already. Is this redemption, is it only for now? I mean, is there a, if, is, is a future resurrection of my body one of the major things that I look forward to in the future? What about you? I know contemplating even death is a, is a, is a, is a tough thing for many. It's tough. We're not even thinking it. We're not going out without face mask, hand sanitizer, in fact, I'm not touching the bus, not touching the, 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 the oyster card terminal, not touching nothing, not touching the door handles because we won't contemplate death. But I'm talking about looking forward to, our, to the resurrection of my body. I, uh, do you look forward to that as well in the future? Or is the focus just for now? God, prosper my business. Help me pay my, school, my children's school fees. I need this, I need that, and all the other. Does it go beyond here on earth? Does it go beyond our natural existence? Does God hold more than now in store for us? Remember, this is something that the Bible says, or Paul writes to the Romans saying that all of creation waits in anxious longing for the Revelation, it's like waiting for an Apple event. What's the Apple, what's the iPhone 15 going to look like? 
<laughs> let's, let's not talk 12 now. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? But <laughs> what's it going to look like? He's looking forward to it. What is the revelation of our resurrected bodies going to look like? Glorious, powerful, incorruptible, immortal, spiritual bodies. He's looking forward to that. What are God's plans for me? Aside from this resurrection we're thinking about, what are God's plans for me? Do I know what they are? Do I actively seek to know what they are from God? And when I think about this future resurrection and the reality of it, the possibility of it, does that get me excited? Excited enough to Wow, this is real, you know. Even if I died today, there is, I am going to be raised from the dead. Never to die again. Is that something I want to tell someone about? Is that something I want to tell anybody else about? You know, <clears throat> death will die. Death will be abolished. Um, but the parallels just drawn in this last section here as we, as we wrap up are these. You see, in Adam, the first man, all die. In Christ, all who die will be raised to life and raised to life eternal. <sighs> Many will come to this life. It has a massive impact what each of these natures uh, mean for us. In Adam, yes, we have the remaining sin here, but in Christ, wow, obedience will just be like, even without thinking about it, we'll be yielded to God completely. These struggles that we have with sin right now, you'd <laughs> be like, you know, whatever it is, things that corrupt, COVID, please, <laughs> immortal, can't touch this, you know, the natural is condemned, but in Christ there is justification, there is eternal life. So, knowing how important this is, knowing how real this is, just as God is able to create and raise the dead, bring the dead to life, turn the corruptible to incorruptible, turn that which is dishonorable to glorious, turn that which is weak to powerful, turn that which is natural raised to a spiritual body. Knowing this, what place does your resurrection bring? What clarity does it bring to the essence of our faith, our calling, 
our walk in Christ. You know, we're looking at God's glory right now. We're looking at the glory of Jesus Christ. Our outer man is wasting away. But even in our inner man, we're being renewed. We just have a deposit right now. But ultimately, that resurrected body, which God promises us, we will have, we will receive. Let this be, uh, let this have an impact indeed in how we view life, in how we see our calling. It's not so much about us. It's not so much about what we get now, but what God has in store and what God plans and purposes for us, even in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you again um, and pray that just as we see that there is so much evidence to show, so much to show your, your, your power, your might, your ability to raise that which, to, to raise the dead and give it a body that is incorruptible, that is powerful, that is glorious, that is spiritual, and you hold that in store for us. Lord, I pray that our hearts are um, zoomed in on the purpose of your calling for our lives. That, your heart, that our hearts are zoomed in, Lord, on the... Um, Things that you have prepared, like the word says, for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. No, I have seen it. No, ear heard. Um, I pray, Lord God, that helps us to see our place right now, where we are with you. And perhaps there's any who don't even know or understand or appreciate these things, Lord. I pray indeed. Um, give us all the humility to look to you, just to ask even the bare basic, what's this talking about? What does this mean? What promise do you have for us? So that at the great unveiling, <clears throat> indeed, there will be no disappointment on our part. We'll be greatly <laughs> excited, overwhelmed with the limitless glory, the potential, the life that you call us into, even as we share in the inheritance of Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you. Inform our lives, inform our ministry even by all of this, Lord, even as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.